Strategist Cowboy. I have finished building my fence in my garden. I will try and put out a new podcast every week in future in the future too, but it is going to be a lot more geostrategy and other subjects than I used to put out. This week I am reviewing two beers. The first one is a lager beer with a normal ABV level from Poppels, a Swedish brewery. The beer goes under the name London Lager. The second beer is a higher ABV ale from the brewery Bink or Browery Kalkon in Belgium. Kalkon or something. This week's first contestant is the London Lager from the Swedish brewery Poppels. And I'm setting it up against Hopperdam Ipa from Belgium. Let's get ready to rumble! Our first contestant this week is the beer assortment London Lager from Popples Brewery. The ingredients in the London Lager beer assortment are water, barley malt, and I bet hop and yeast. The London Lager has got an IBU of 30. IBU meaning International Bitter Unit. This beer assortment is supposed to be a dark lager. There is no reason to suspect that it won't be. Popple's beers are EU environmental and vegan certified. And it is also gluten free. The expiration date on this particular beer is late December 2023. I purchased this beer in late February 2023. It has been standing in my cooler since. Today it is early June 2023. The London Lager beer comes in a size 33 centiliters, i.e. about an 11 liquid ounces bottle. The one folded bottle label is red and brown and pink and some blue. The text on the bottle is mostly white. There is a classic 1970s blue double-decker on the bottle, made in Britain. The London Lager cost me a mere 19 kroner. That is one US dollars and 77 cents. That is 64 cents per every four ounces of beer. The preferred serving temperature on this beer assortment is according to system log 8 to 10 degrees Celsius, i.e. about 46 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. The brewery says nothing about preferred serving temperatures. The London Lager has got a 5% ABV level. 
How about the experience then? Not very striking in uh, aroma, in the aroma, but it's a good aroma, a normal aroma. And it's got a, barely a two fingers tall head. And uh, okay. A two fingers tall head when I poured up the whole beer. And it's um, in color. What color? It's cloudy, a little bit cloudy actually, even if it's a lager beer. And um, orangey in color, orangey amber like. First impression is as usual is that it's a good beer. But say, say, later on we're gonna break it down. Well now we're gonna break it down in smaller pieces. They are all the uh, flavor of it. It's well it's fairly rich for five percent. It's rich, yes, it is. It's um, not bread like. Not yeasty, but it's a lager beer, so it's a lager beer. It's malty. A little bit. Hmm. It's uh, is it sweet or dry? Neither. It's both or yeah, both sweet and dry, sweet and dry, somewhat sweet, somewhat dry, but more dry than sweet. It's uh, for a 30 IBU bitterness. It's not very bitter, but it's not, it's, I mean, it's a good balance. So it's okay. It's a bit hoppy. I 
I'd say that um, well, it's balanced. It's well balanced. Uh, that's uh, the most the nicest thing I can say about it, and so it's a correct thing to say. It's not candy like. There's no fruitiness in it, I think. But uh, there might be some spices, yeah. Because uh, the undertone is a little bit on the syrupy side, but I don't think it's syrup in this beer. But anyway, it's a little bit syrupy sweet, not sweet sweet, but sugar is sweet, but syrup is sweet. But I don't think they have got syrup in it. And that's a good thing. But um, when it's spicy in the undertone, the carbonation level is here. I don't know yet, but uh, it's not creamy. It's it's not acidic. And there are not really any aberrations in it. I don't think I can with the my de my um, honesty intact can say that there are aberrations in this beer, so there's not. But it's a little bit on the pine needle side, uh, but not enough to call it pine needle taste. Uh, it's not dark roasted. It's. Uh, no. It's not dark roasted, but not very light roasted either. Uh, filtered or unfiltered, uh, it's, well, who knows? Uh, are there any other flavors in it or tastes in it? Let's see here, pineapple, no. Pine needle, ah, it's not really pine needle in taste. And that's a good thing, but it's uh, it's the bitterness, uh, the hoppiness in it that makes it uh, perhaps uh, on the little, little pine needle side. There's no apricot taste in it. No light bread. No. Um, no banana. No straw like, no honey, but a little bit on the syrupy side. But I, I don't think uh, I should mention that really, since I don't think they have syrup in it. No liquorice taste, no clove taste, no fudge taste, no chocolate taste, no coffee taste. Excuse me. Uh, Excuse me again, pardon me. There's a little bit of a carbonation level in it. 
no raspberry, no blueberry, no mango, no tangerine, no raisin, and no vanilla. Hmm. But a little bit syrupy sweet. What about grading then? How many devils do I grade this beer? I think it's worth seven devils out of 10 possible. Seven devils out of 10 possible. It's a good beer, perfectly okay in every way. I could drink this beer every day if I wish to, but uh, there are other beers that uh, I'd like to try and uh, drink. If I, if I drink, if I drank every day, I wouldn't drink just this beer every day. So not everyday beer in that sense. But uh, it's good enough to drink every day. But why would you settle for one type of beer or one sort assortment, beer assortment? It's stupid. Anyway, let's move on to our second contestant. Our second contestant for this week is the Hopperdom Ipa beer from the Belgian brewery Brauerei Kerkon. On the brewery's website, it says, quote, this beer is a response to the very bitter beers that are being brewed all around the world at present. In this case, the denomination Ipa does not stand for India Pale Ale, but for incredible powerful and amazing end quote so not an india pale ale belgium has never been big on ipas the beer assortment is brewed with water barley malt hops sugar and yeast the hops are of seven flemish sorts from the west hook west hook region it says on their website Quote, obviously the taste is very bitter, but the beer has a balance that makes it very drinkable and invites you to have another round, end quote. Uh, okay, it's very bitter, but, about, but balanced. The expiration date on this particular beer bottle is late November 2024. I purchased this beer in late February 2023. It has been standing in my cooler since. At present date, it is early June 2023. The slender bottle contains 33 centiliters, i.e. about 11 liquid ounces. The bottle label is two-folded and green and brown in color with a white text. There are three beer-drinking cartoonish gentlemen on the label. The Hopferdom Ipa beer assortment cost me 34 Swedish kronor, i.e. about 3 US dollars and 15 cents. That is 1 dollar and 15 cents per four ounces of beer. I do hope it tastes good. The preferred serving temperature for the Hopferdom Ipa beer assortment 
is, according to the system below, 10 to 12 degrees Celsius, i.e. about 50 to 54 degrees Fahrenheit. The brewery says nothing about preferred serving temperatures. The Hopferdom IPA ale assortment has got a 7% ABV. 7%. How about the experience then? Food sweat aroma, which sometimes happens when you brew beers. Some beers do have food sweat aroma. It says nothing about the taste of the beer, the flavor of the beer, or the flavors of the beer. But it's, it, it, it has got that. And it's got a three fingers tall head. What color is it? Well, uh, Amber-like, light amber, light amber-like, or or orangey yellow, or something. Cloudy it is. I can see some uh, impurities or whatever it is, but maybe bubbles. I don't know, but something it is. My first impression is that it's a very hoppy, very bitter beer. Very hoppy, very hoppy, hoppy and bitter. It's uh, it's rich but not so alcohol rich. It's more like a rich of hops, hops. Rich in hops or, uh, I don't know. I think so. Uh, it's not bread-like. The foam is an, a bed, a not so smooth bed of, um, foam uh, in the beer glass. It's got little hills on it. It's not yeasty and it's good it's not because it's so hoppy. It's uh, not malty or at least you can't sense it because of the hoppiness in it. Taste of my palate is bitterness, hoppiness. It's uh, not very dry, but not very sweet either. It's uh, It's well balanced. 
as they said it was, it should be, so it suits. Uh, it's not candy-like. It's not exactly fruity. It may, might be, there might be some spices in it. I mean, um, hops are, are herbs, aren't they? Uh, so um, there are some uh, herbs in it, but are there other spices in it? Or is there any other spice in it? Might very well be some peppery spice, but it's the hoppiness that makes the spiciness uh, perhaps. The carbonation level is, I don't know yet, but uh, probably not low. It's not creamy, it's not acidic, and there are no aberrations. It's not dark roasted, it's not. Um, I don't know, I don't think it's filtered, but perhaps it is, because I don't sense any yeastiness in it. And it's good, I don't. But there's some impurity inside the glass. I don't know what it is. It's like floating bubbles. Small, small, small scale bubbles. Carbonation bubbles. It, it seems like if it's floating in oil, thick oil or something. It doesn't move much when I shake the glass. It's it's uh, like it's uh, jelly or something, and uh, the bubbles are in the jelly. And when I shift it, uh, when I swift, swift the glass, I mean, when I uh, move the glass back and forth, it just follows the beer like it was jelly in jelly. Uh, it's interesting, interesting. Are there any other flavors in it? Um, I wouldn't say so. No. It's uh, what it is. Nice beer. But it's not an IPA beer, I can uh, almost tell. But uh, they made an effort not to make it an IPA beer, I guess. But still have a lot of hops in it. Because they want to differentiate themselves against uh, probably the United States or something. Or the rest of the world even. And that's not a bad thing. If you want to um put your mark on the world you need to do that okay what about grading then well i grade this beer 
I like it, so I grade this beer. Nine tables have ten possible. Actually, I do. So, one moment. Pardon me. Okay. I'd um, I finished with the absolutely don't drink and operate heavy machines, military or civilian. Drink responsibly or not at all. Don't drink at all if you're underaged or pregnant. This week's lesson, the consequences of overfishing, etc. We all know that climate change is caused by us humans. Sometimes with the help of Mother Nature, as is the case with the Russian thawing tiger emitting methane gas into the atmosphere. If we humans hadn't been around, the tiger wouldn't have thawed enough to contribute to climate change by its own exacerbating and to a much more inauspicious level. Our environmental footprints here in the West are larger than the sub-Saharan people's environmental footprints. Don't you think sub-Saharan people knows that they are not equally to blame for climate change? Don't you think sub-Saharan people knows that their countries are among the most affected by climate change because of us? Chinese fishing vessels, vessels sail further and further away from China to catch sufficient with fish. Chinese trawlers have since a number of years constantly been fishing in, for example, East and West Africa and also Argentina and Peru. The smaller fish has decreased, decreased by about 80% in some places in the last two decades. And it may be worse in other places. I don't know. China's fishing fleet has grown at record speed. And it has become by far the largest in the world. No one knows exactly how many fishing vessels there are in the country. But it is believed to be between 500,000 and 800,000. But only a small part of the trawlers are equipped so that they can spend long periods at sea. China is still estimated to have many times more of these huge ships than any other country in the world. Don't you think sub-Saharan people knows the consequences of overfishing the sub-Saharan waters by European and Chinese and South Korean long-range fishing fleets and floating factories? Should it matter that the European fishing fleets most often are catching fish illegally. 
isn't it in our power to stop them? Maybe, but there are ways to trick the people. For instance, by creating a phony local African industrial owner of the fishing trawlers slash factories. Corruption is the one prevailing legacy after the European colonials in Africa left the continent ravaged. And that is if they ever left Africa. They more or less did leave Africa. But the Chinese is Africa's new masters. Same thing here. Corruption is key. About 90% of the industrial fisheries in Ghana have clandestine Chinese ownership. This is according to a survey from the organization Environmental Justice Foundation. And the organization is now warning that the fishery is on the verge of collapse because of the methods being used. What about France, the UK, Spain, Italy, Belgium, and maybe Germany? Can they really complain about sub-Saharan refugees invading their borders? They are all previous colonials. Aren't they all really getting what they deserve? Maybe. If they are turning a blind eye to their fishing fleet as it is overfishing, illegally or legally, it really doesn't matter. The African waters, either in their economic zones or in international water, then I'd say that they do get what they deserve. Not acting is also a form of acting. Ghana has been criticized by the EU for not doing enough to curb illegal fishing. Corruption is suspected to be behind it. And last year, the European Commission handed out its second so-called yellow card to Ghana for the shortcomings. So it seems as if the EU is aware of the del delicate situation with the overfishing and the refugees from sub-Saharan countries. But why did the EU hand out a yellow card to Ghana when it rather is the EU trawlers that overfish the African waters and not Ghana itself? Very cynical. Would you people want to see more sub-Saharan refugees in your countries? I didn't think so. Then it is high time to act. I don't know who started this racing for the African waters, Europe or China or South Korea, but it has to stop. China and South Korea can do what they do with impunity. No African refugees flee to their countries, unfortunately. Europe cannot do what they do with impunity. I don't care if you stop the Chinese fishing with military means, but you have to stop it. The Chinese have it coming anyway. And be sure to stop your own fishing fleets too. And soon. Put a stop for all trawlers in African waters. It is the only way possible to achieve the common EU goal, which I suggest. I think that the American administration, for once, will approve of this my idea. And the sources for this were Sveriges Radio and Svenska Öle. My name is Roger Klein. Thank you and see you later, alligator, at a wild crocodile.
By the way, I saw a Swedish short documentary about the Swedish soldiers in Mali. And one of the soldiers promptly said that the insurgents were cowards since they always left the scene once the Swedish soldiers were on the spot because the insurgents knew they couldn't win against our soldiers. I disagree. That is actually how most military in the West go about doing business. If you know you cannot win a battle, then you withdraw to live to fight another day. Nothing cowardly about that. But, on the other hand, the insurgents gladly target women and children. That is cowardice, if anything. So the conclusion is that the insurgents in Mali and many other places are cowards because they target women and children in a variety of ways. But not because they avoid fighting the Swedish force in Mali. Get your facts straight, men of the world, lest you get slammed with the label coward because you think that certain other ethnicities are cowards. My name is Roger Klein.